The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to Working on Purpose Show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. It was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and now complements the work that I do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to my guest in just a moment, but let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally job or folk, excuse me, locally focused job board in the nation, and they're dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control of their search. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Great partnership. Last week, if you missed us live, you can always catch us via the recorded podcast, but we were on the air with Aisling Curtin from Ireland, who is the co-director and of Act Now Purposeful Living and the co-creator of 5-Minute Breakouts. She is a leading international psychologist who specializes in acceptance and commitment therapy. We talked about how going out of our comfort zone can benefit purposeful leadership, life, and business, among many other interesting topics. With us this week is Donald Thompson, who is the CEO of Creative Allies, an integrated marketing firm that focuses on helping celebrity and consumer brands execute marketing campaigns and engage customers. He is currently authoring his first book called Underestimated, a CEO's unlikely path to success. He joins us today from Durham, North Carolina. Donald, welcome to Working on Purpose again. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so you and I got a chance to snuggle up over the microphone about two years ago, and um, we had a chance to cross paths again. I think I reached out to you just saying, hey, what's going on? And you told me there are all kinds of things going on. So once I heard a flavor of some of those things, um, I kind of wanted to have you back. So, so over the last two years, catch us up. Maybe I guess do this for us, if you would, Donald. If you would, catch us up with what you've been doing the last couple of years, and then for our listeners who didn't catch you two years ago, if you can just kind of sketch your earlier career as well, whatever order you want to do this in. Yeah, sure. I'll start, start with the kind of the earlier sketch, right? I, I started my technology career as a bag-carrying sales guy in uh, 1996 and spent about 10 years uh, in a small tech startup being mentored by uh, my friend and, and mentor, Grant Willard. And uh, after that 10-year apprenticeship, uh, that company was sold, uh, at least half of it. Grant went to a company called Adobe Systems, and I became president and CEO in 2006 of a tech firm called iCubed. Uh, that firm had about 16 people. We grew it uh, from 2006 to 2014. It's about 130 folks, and we exited that to a company in India. And that's really where we started to catch up to where I was uh, just finishing up that exit kind of looking at some of the things that I wanted to do next. Um, 
And kind of spinning us fast forward uh, the last couple of years, uh, I've taken my interest, business uh, experience, and gotten really involved in the startup community, um, both running one personally with Creative Allies, but also as an angel investor and uh, mentoring other uh, up-and-coming CEOs. Wow, that was Chris Donald. Thank you so much. I got to go down two different paths if you don't mind. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to reminisce a little bit here. And again, for the listeners who didn't hear the first time, your book is called the the Unlikely CEO. Can you just say a couple things about why you were the unlikely CEO? No, great question. I appreciate it. One is, uh, you know, we're 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 doing this uh, verbally, right? But if you look at my picture as an African American male, uh, there's not many tech CEOs that look like me. Uh, if you look at technology CEOs in general, and 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 as the the space continues to grow, most have uh, a different academic academic pedigree uh, than I do, right? I started school on an athletic scholarship, but didn't finish, and started chasing my entrepreneur dream. And then when I left school. Uh, I didn't go a traditional route to entrepreneurship. I worked as a store manager at Dollar General. I worked as a security guard. I had any kind of job that could pay the bills while I was chasing a dream and finding out what I was meant to do. And so my path being unlikely, but my perseverance was consistent. And ultimately, I I found some things that I could be special in. Oh, my gosh. If that doesn't inspire our listeners, I don't know what will on a Friday afternoon. So we're recording on a Friday anyway. So, um, all right. The second question to follow up there is why run after the startup community? I think I've I've got a good idea, but why? Well, as an entrepreneur at at heart, um, I think that the small business is, is what really drives our economy. And I think that when you want to change your financial situation, you've got to make sure that you have uh, things that are within your control. And when you work for a big corporation, nothing wrong with it. A lot of friends that do it, I did it for a while. But when you own your own company, uh, you really can uh, really make change professionally uh, and personally, more so than in a larger environment. And I like people that are dream chasers and helping people do that. Mm, Which maybe will get me to my next question here. Uh, I think given what I remember of our last conversation. So your latest business venture is called Creative Allies. And I I remember you saying a couple things that you're up to there that just sounded hopelessly fascinating. But tell us about the company, how it came to be and what you're up to. Yeah, fantastic. I am super excited about Creative Allies. And I'm going to give you a couple of specific reasons why. One is it's very different than the IT services, the IT engineering space that I kind of grew my first phase or two of my career. Specifically, Creative Allies has a community of graphic designers globally. And so we have 125,000 plus graphic designers in our community. We use our technology platform to link those designers with opportunities to work with some of the largest brands, some of the largest entertainment icons in the world whether it be Selena Gomez on the pop charts, whether it be Eminem if you're into hip-hop and rap, whether it's Dr. Dre from uh, Beats by Dre, or whether it is Arizona Ice-T or Bic or Ben & Jerry's. We take the client work for these brands and icons and create design contests that allow our artists to compete for portfolio pieces where they win prize money, but more important, they get the opportunity to earn additional work right after that design contest. So in a nutshell, we provide creative services at scale by using our crowdsource engine. Okay, that's fascinating. Um, I didn't catch that the first time we, we, we caught up, Donald. I didn't catch that. That's, that is fascinating. So where did the idea come from? I mean, this is a pretty novel, forward-thinking thing to do. 
So in 2009, uh, some, some musicians in Asheville, North Carolina, founded Creative Allies. And basically, they were trying to figure out how to merge music, entertainment, and art. And they wanted to create an environment where designers and musicians could get together and, and leverage those creative components to create commerce, but also some really cool art pieces. It was a good business, not a great business, because it was very financially focused on music. And so we've done probably a thousand different contests with music acts and the largest labels out there, but it wasn't a growing, scalable business because all of us know you used to spend $15 on a CD, right? But now you get for $9 a month all the music you can listen to on Spotify or Pandora. So the price point for music labels to spend on marketing and creative has gone down. And so what we've done at Creative Allies and where I came in in, uh, in 20, early 2016 is when we started uh, the journey under my watch, is we said, why don't we leverage the music contacts with give us access to what's cool, to what's hot right now in the marketplace, and move that into the direction of creating a new wave creative agency that takes the hip, the creative, the pulse on pop culture, but delivers that creative content both for music brands, and bands. And by expanding that reach, we think we've got a much more uh, larger opportunity uh, for a customer base, but number two can be much more financially successful. Oh my gosh. Okay, so here's what's going through my mind as I listen to you, Donald. You are now the third guest that I've talked to over the last, let's call it six weeks, who has identified a way to be able to create a business by being able to converge either complementary or even sometimes completely disparate industries. It's fascinating to hear this now that I see this as a pattern um, and that I can hear the passion in your voice I can hear the energy I can hear the dedication it's all there um, and and so now what I'm wondering about one of the things that you talked about and I don't know if it's related to this or not but this whole notion of uh, being focused on data-driven engagement with followers and consumers is that part of the business model all wrapped up together or is that a separate part of the engine or where does that come in yeah the, no I appreciate that very much the data component is kind of right there in front of you, but we've got to coalesce it into something valuable. And what I mean by that is we did a design contest for a group called 21 Pilots, so an explosive oh, yeah. uh, sure. rock group on, on the pop charts. But here's what's cool. Our community delivered 2,700 amazing designs for this design contest. So number one, 21 Pilots got great art. Number two, our designers got VIP tickets to many of the shows prize money, recognition, but here's what, what even is more critical and scalable. The contest through the social engagement tools that we use through the tweets and the social media commitment from the band got 80 million impressions looking at oh, our art, heart. interacting with the band, and fan engagement was now driven to a revenue generating, but more importantly, a social engagement machine. And so if we can take that kind of impression activity and then link that with brands in the future, we think we've got a home run. And so that's where we're starting to leverage the data, right, so that we can understand the demographics of the people that are coming to our site, the designers that are participating in our contest, and the type of bands, and creating data-driven marketing packages so that brands can target and segment specific areas uh, or communities that they'd like to go after. Oh, my gosh, Donald, this is so awesome. Everybody wins on a huge scale. That's the goal. 
right? I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, if you think about your freelance designers, if you think about people that are starting their own entrepreneur business, kind of a creative entrepreneur, they have skill, they have commitment, but they don't have access to the type of work that allows them to keep their head above the crowd. And that's what we try to do for our design community. Okay, so now that I'm sitting here thinking about this and I'm just trying to visualize how this all goes down here, I mean, how you actually manage all of this incredible amount of activity. I mean, is it all driven from like a crowdsourcing platform? That's the artists, that's the designers, everybody? Or do you have to kind of scale out and scope out and, and strategize who are you going after to support? So twofold. So one, we do have a platform to where when we run our design contest, the fans of the various uh, artists or the fans of, the, of a particular brand or their communities can come directly to our site and vote within our platform. So we not only get crowdsourced design, we also get crowdsourced polling for the brand. And so I'll give you one quick example. We had a startup called Rant Room that we worked with recently. They, they did not trademark sufficiently their name. So when they went to launch to go out with funding, they could not use the room Rant Room. The name Rent Room, excuse me. We put their issue or their problem, the opportunity to do a name change of a phenomenal new company into our system, not just for new design for their logo, but for a renaming exercise for this emerging company. We got 150 different submissions. The entrepreneurs were ecstatic. They picked the top three, and now they're deliberating on which one of the new names that they want to use. So they got a crowdsource engine to give them the naming branding refresh that would have cost them forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars from a brand agency for a cost that they can afford, and then our community got to participate with an emerging entrepreneur, which is exciting. It's incredibly exciting. Um, I'm just really, really impressed with how smart all this is, Donald. So let me the next question I want to get down to another, another layer here, if you will. Um, so was all of this engine, all this crowdsourcing impetus already in place when you got involved a year plus ago, or did you bring that to the table? I would say a little bit of both, right? Because I want to give the appropriate amount of uh, credit to the founders of our, our, of our firm and the idea and vision that they had. I think what I was able to bring to the table is how do you take all of these different capabilities within Creative Allies and mold that into a go-to-market plan that could create revenue. And so that's where I think I, I layered in some, some business value, is taking some of the components that were there and saying this is something we can take to market and create commercial value for. Mm. Oh, so another, another question that comes to my mind as we're going through this is, how did this opportunity to, to get involved with Creative Allies come about for you? It sounds like obviously it was already in existence. You had the good sense to get involved and take it to the next level. But where did it come from, this opportunity? So great, great question. So I'm uh, very honored and appreciative to be a member of the Young Presidents Organization, YPO. And basically, mm-hmm. it's a global network of uh, entrepreneurs with, uh, with businesses that share ideas and concepts and there's ongoing education and, and different things of that nature. But we also have uh, kind of a, a, a private message board that just really talks about business opportunities that might interest the members. And so I saw this business opportunity for Creative Allies really just kind of come across this message board, and I wanted to find out more. The hook that Greg Lucas, our founder, put in the tagline was the convergence of music, technology, entertainment, right, and art. And it was vastly different from what I had done in the past, and I said, you know what, let me at least check this out, right? And that's where we got the conversation started. And then once I started to talk to the board of Creative Allies, looked at my investment team, and and decided that we wanted to participate with them in a financial way as well, 
uh, it seemed like a good fit in terms of being able to expand on what they'd already done as a business. I got to call out two things for my listeners from that, Donald, if I can. So the first thing is I, the importance, the ever importance that I always try to inculcate into people that I coach and to certainly students that I teach at the, at the college is the importance of being able to associate with other people who are, who are up to something more than you are. So your association is really powerful. What you tap into to be able to get support from, ideas from, inspiration from is huge. So that YPO is clearly an example of that where you that's a great audience to hang around. Um, the second thing I wanted to say, too, is just you're, you're being open to something totally different. I mean, so often people tell me, I can't start a new career because, you know, I'm, I'm 50 or whatever, which is nothing today, right? And right. Because I don't, it's new to me or whatever. I don't know anybody in it, whatever. And you're like, forget all that. Let me just jump in. I just think that that openness to something different is just so important because people get stuck and they feel like that's, they've got nothing left. And I think what you just did that in, that in that example is you just blew two things wide open for people. So thank you for that. Well, I appreciate it. I, I would say, um, as a former athlete, uh, played high school football a little bit in college. I think a team concept uh, has been built into my DNA. But whether it's an athletic team, sports, or just what you described, your entrepreneurial vision, right? Your friends and colleagues uh, determine the rate at which you learn and grow. Because if you're spending time with people that continually stretch you, that continually are, are pushing the bar of what excellence looks like, uh, we all succumb to peer pressure. I just decided to succumb to peer pressure of people that were doing great and creative things. I am totally with you on that, Donald. And with that, we'll take a quick break here. Um, I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Donald Thompson, who is the CEO of Creative Allies, which is an integrated marketing firm that focuses on helping celebrity and consumer brands execute marketing campaigns and engage customers, as he's been talking about. He is currently authoring his first book called Underestimated, a CEO's unlikely path to success. We've been talking about about what he's up to and how he gets around in this world, finding opportunities. After the break, we're going to talk a little bit about how he chooses to support other emerging leaders. Stay with us. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Donald Thompson, who is the CEO of Creative Allies, an integrated marketing firm that focuses on helping celebrity and consumer brands execute marketing campaigns and engage customers. He is also the executive chairman for the digital marketing agency, Walk West. With a focus on accelerating North Carolina's next generation of technology companies and entrepreneurs, Donald is also an advisor and investor to several startups and successful firms. He joins us today from Durham, North Carolina. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Have to tell you, listeners, while we're on the break, I have to brag on my guest. Um, he said, just a sec, before we go back on just a sec, I have to hug my daughter. And I just thought that was delightful, and I wanted to pass that on. So here's a man who can multitask and do it all. Donald, I love that about you. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry if I embarrassed you. Um, no, it's part right. of my job. Part of my job. Um, so one of the other things I wanted to talk about as I queued up before the break is really you've got this fantastic focus now. You have clearly run a course in your own life, developing a career and becoming who you are. And now you've got this itch to be able to help grow other leaders. So I'd like to understand where this kind of came from and emerged and how's it shown up for you. Well, as a young uh, youngster and uh, son of a football coach and being around athletics and sports is I always was able to take coaching and um, you know I thought about following my dad's footsteps as a coach and and thought in in the realm of sports that wasn't kind of the path I was going to follow uh, like many right you end up becoming uh, a consolidation of your of your parents and one of the things that I've always enjoyed is seeing other people succeed and I've learned enough uh, over the years in business and entrepreneurship, I've made enough mistakes uh, in business, personally and professionally, and I also have that desire for give back so that people don't have to make, if they don't want to, uh, the same mistakes that I've made. We can let uh, our experiences be the vision and wisdom of others. Yeah, you make that sound so simple and straightforward, and I know that there's a lot more to it. So let me get to another level here again on that one. I also know that part of what you are focused on is helping African-American technology leaders get get through the maze, if you will. And obviously, you fit those two pieces of the demographic. You're African-American, and you were in technology. But how are you finding these people to help them, and what are you doing to help them? So a couple things. One is uh, Creative Allies, our, our firm, we're located in the American underground uh, in Durham, North Carolina, and this is a phenomenal location. There's over 250 different startup companies right downtown Durham that are being housed and hosted both with office space, but also mentorship and programs to help them accelerate their vision. And so we're not only a part of that community as our company, but also it gives me access to a lot of very, very talented people that hopefully I can help along the way. The second piece is that, you know, I think there's a lot of folks that are doing well in business and a lot of experience to to gain and guide, but there aren't a lot that look like me and have my background. And so a lot of times uh, African-American entrepreneurs that hear my story, a friend of a friend will will reach out to, to gain perspective and insight, not so much on their idea, but how to run the maze of getting their idea to implement implementation uh, to then turning it into something that's commercially viable. And so both in terms of uh, who I associate with and some of the entrepreneurial engines that are here in the triangle, but also just through that word of mouth locally, I've developed a good network. And, you know, fortunately, when you succeed a little bit, uh, deals and deals to look at uh, come your way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get that entirely. There's an attraction piece to that, a synergy. I totally get that. Uh, well, I do want to explore that notion of that you mentioned the implementation piece. And, and so I wanted to go at it from a couple different angles here, Donald. So you probably remember that I work as a global management consultant for a company that serves other organizations. And of course, today we're talking about entrepreneurs and supporting them. So 
it seems to me when you used a couple of phrases when we spoke on the phone. One was ideation to implementation, which I think you just alluded to, and concept to cash. So I kind of wanted to chat a little bit about both of those because I think that large organizations, of course, continue to in- need to innovate to stay viable so they can implement and use these kind of ideas too, and probably many of them are. And then, of course, brand new companies are too. So will you talk a little bit about how you've learned these processes and kind of what they mean to our listening audiences of those two combined groups? So I'll start with the entrepreneur uh, piece. A lot of times when you're starting a new company and you don't have a lot of funding, you're bootstrapping uh, a business. And so that's really where, quite frankly, you can develop the hardening uh, that allows you to understand if you develop a product or a service that people are not willing to expend cash for, you die. Mm-hmm. There is no one there to save you. And so yep. you have to fall in love enough with your idea to pursue it, but not fall in love so much that you're not rational about the reality as to whether or not you have a good or service that can, can command a premium price. And a lot of times that requires a second set of eyes. That requires a solid board of advisors or a mentor. Because as entrepreneurs, we're super excited about what we're trying to accomplish. And we can have rose-colored glasses when you really need a taste of reality uh, to make good decisions about whether or not you have something that really has legs or not. So the big thing I would say is don't try to make the full business decision of what you're going to pursue in a silo. Right? I tell entrepreneurs all the time, it's good to have passion. It's good to stubbornly believe in what you think is the right thing to do in a product or service. But let us not be naive. And having three or four qualified people to look at your idea, help you with that business planning stage, help you understand the difference between an idea and a minimal viable product so that you can make good informed decisions right, as you build out your entrepreneurial endeavor. And so the big thing I would say is don't try to go it alone when you don't have to. And then two, don't be so stubborn with the way you think the world looks that you don't take good insight. Okay. I want to go down another little bit of a a semi-rapid hole on this one. I am hearkening back to another guest that I had on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Her name is Sheila Leiberman. And her story is she built a niche staffing um, services company um, in in the pharmaceutical space, in the pharmacy space, so pharmacologists. When she started in 1980, she was told absolutely unabashedly, "This is nothing. You don't have a business here. There's there, there you're, this doesn't this is never going to work." Two, she you know created this business that she sold for 35 million dollars or was up had revenues of 35 million dollars. So what's the balance? How do you how do you what do you pay attention to? What do you look for? Because you got somebody saying it's this is ridiculous. It'll never work. And then you've got your own gut saying, I really think something's here. Here's the way I think about it. I I just use the number 10, right? If I'm looking at a business idea and 10 people tell me it's ridiculous, I got to think twice about whether the idea is good. If it's five people out of five, that's flipping a coin. And that's not bad odds if that's something that you passionately believe in. Because then you have five people that you trust that you can flip the question and say, how can I make it work? So once I have two or three caliber folks that have some experience in business, have, some, uh, have, a, have a reason either to help me selfishly or just because they want to be uh, a, a giver, but that are going to spend enough time with my idea, then I can change the question to not whether or not they think it'll work, but how do I make this idea successful and let them help ideate, right, to chase that dream. But I have to be a realist in terms of, 
if you got eight to ten people that have good quality business sense, good experience, entrepreneurial, and no one believes in you, I'm not sure that's a bet that I'm going to take. But I don't need a hundred percent buy-in for me to continue to chase my dream. If I get three or four believers, right, that have been there, done that in other areas, then I'll take their comfort in in, in their support. But most importantly, their guidance, and then change the question to, how do I make this work? Mm-hmm. How do I exploit I think- that niche? How do I overcome? I think that's brilliant, Donald. That's exactly what I wanted to call out in your story there is that you, you said basically you turned, you turned the question, you turned the perspective, the lens onto, okay, so here's the general idea of what I want to do. How can I make it work? That's I think right. that's that it, it, rather than saying, you know, here's what I want to do, you think it will fly. Well, how could I make it fly? That's right. Okay. All right. Well, the next thing I want to get to, which really gets to, I guess, really a lot of what you're saying there too. And that's, of course, this basic notion of risk tolerance. As an entrepreneur, there has to be some level of that for you to be an entrepreneur. I would like to hear your perspective on you know, risk tolerance in general and how you've approached it just starting off in your own ventures. And, and maybe has it, has it changed over time as your success has grown? So a couple of things. One, risk tolerance as I've gotten more successful, has it changed? I don't know if it has as much to do with the success as I can tell myself getting a little more conservative as I've gotten a little bit older. Wow. And, I have to, and, I, and I literally have to personally fight against that um, because you get a little bit more comfortable with the status quo and you're not willing to take as much risk and it's not actually the financial it's really that fear of what it looks like if you fail now because you've had a little success, you get a little gunshot. What if I do this and it doesn't work, right? Is, is that counter to my brand? And so the success actually can make people one of two things, right? It can make you more hungry, more aggressive, go for it. But in my case, I've had to fight against becoming a little more gunshot, which is contrary to how I you know, made any money or did anything good in the first place. So that's one thing on the success piece. When you're on your way up and starting a business, I encourage people to start things on the side. I, I, don't, I think most people yep. are not geared towards the stress and strain personally, professionally, financially to just jump in and be an entrepreneur. Most people need some semblance of success up front to give them the strength for their faith to grow, right? And I think people should just admit that, work your job, pay your bills, pay your mortgage, and spend your nights and weekends proving out what you want to do in your dream. When you get enough revenue that you start to understand the business, you start to understand the market, your risk tolerance will grow, but it, it, it's not even about risk at that point. You've grown your entrepreneurial strength because you've seen how some things can work. Now it's a function of scale. And so to a lot of people, I encourage uh, getting something small started uh, on the side. And there's so much that you can do. If you're building a technology, you can get part-time developers. There's so much you can do nights and weekends. So that's number one. Number two, if you're going to make that leap of faith and just jump out and be an entrepreneur, having that co-founder, that founding team of three or four people that have different personalities and different levels of insight on growing a business is going to help you weather that storm emotionally and professionally as you grow that business. Because there's a lot of ups and downs in starting something from scratch. And doing it alone just never really works out, right? It didn't work out for the guys at Google. They did great, but there was a, a couple of founders that worked together. Apple, Microsoft, Snapped. Any, any large business that started in a garage didn't start in a garage with just one guy or girl. 
it started with two or three people that had a dream together, and they helped each other over the rough edges. Wow, so much there, Donald. A uh, couple things. I You gave me an answer that I didn't expect around risk tolerance in your own journey, so thank you for that. And thank you for being real and transparent. I love that you are. You're just accessible, and I really appreciate that. We are getting the real Donald Thompson deal here. It's great. Um, the second thing, too, that I want to call out that what you said there, too, is you know starting off, if you're going to go the entrepreneur route, there's no reason that you can't fund that with a full-time other gig while you kind of get your bearings and find your find your way. I've talked to many of my guests who've gone that route, Donald, just exactly what you said, and that's how they did it. They got to a place where, like, I'm making enough money here and my new venture, I can let go of the of the safety the safety net, the, the actual full-time day job, and now I'm ready to launch. I think that's really great advice. And so many of the people that will come and listen to the show, as you might recall from last time, are coming because they want to learn something. They came because they saw something in your bio or something in the description that said, I'm going to learn something from this guy. So thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate and, it. And if you would, um, I also, before we go on break here, we've got just about maybe three minutes before we go on the break here, I wanted to make sure and give our listeners here before we go into our next segment, maybe just some pearls of wisdom or advice that you might have for somebody that is, maybe has just founded a company or is trying to take it to the next level or in the early stages. What would you, what would you tell them to focus on, do or not do? Uh, you know, you, when I say it, it'll, it'll sound almost cliche, but I believe it uh, to, to my core, right? Your customers are the source of your best entrepreneurial feedback. And if you can take a customer and turn them into a case study and then turn them into a raving fan, don't just take the money and be excited. Ask them why. I always ask customers at whatever business that I'm working in, whatever business I'm advising, why did you pick us? Who did you pick us over? Who was the competition? And what are the things we need to do to keep your business? Those are the elements of learning that are right there in front of us. Because when you have a business, you've got to have customer one, customer two, customer three. But I don't think we pull from our customers that learning insight. We're usually happy to get the sale, to get the order, deliver the order, and get paid. And we're missing the educational impact of learning from each of our customers of how we can be great. Okay, so I think that's very, very wise, and I don't think that's cliche at all, Donald. What I also get from that is, and I think I'm guilty of that, I certainly didn't ask my customers, why did you buy from me? Because what they might say is, well, you're the one that kind of offered the closest of what we wanted. We really wanted all of this, A, B, C, D, and E, and you offered A and B, so we took you, which means I lost out on C, D, and E, and I could be doing that too, if it makes sense. That's what I got yep. from what you said is, wow, there's so much more that you could be doing or something better if you really did ask those kind of questions. And, well, you know, I'll I work you, in the world of communication. I'll give you one, one thing, and then, you know, I know I'm extending your, your break for a second, but in, in one of the companies that, that I work with, we signed a pretty big web design project. We sat down with the executive that selected our firm and asked those questions, and what should we do different? And the, the, the executive said, she was candid with us, she goes, you guys priced your project way too low. You were, the, you were the top producer, right? You were way lower than, than the competition. And so not only did we get to pick you, but we think we're getting a hell of a deal. And I was like, I looked at my partner in that business, and I was like, that is not great feedback. <laughs> but it is great feedback. We were underselling the value of what we were delivering. Mm, and what a, great, what a great lesson. Oh my gosh, that's huge! Oh yeah, you can you can take that to the next customer all day long, can't you, Donald? 
Exactly right. <laughs> All right. Time for a short break already. It happened so fast. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Donald Thompson, who is the CEO of Creative Allies, an integrated marketing firm that focuses on helping celebrity and consumer brands execute marketing campaigns and engage customers. He is currently authoring his first book called Underestimated, a CEO's Unlikely Path to Success. After the break, we're going to talk a few about a few of the things that govern how he works and lives. So you can learn from a couple of those things and start them off in your own life. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Donald Thompson, who is the CEO of Creative Allies, an integrated marketing firm that focuses on helping celebrity and consumer brands execute marketing campaigns and engage customers. He is also the executive chairman for the digital marketing agency, Walk West. With a focus on accelerating North Carolina's next generation of technology companies and entrepreneurs, Donald is also an advisor and investor to several startups and successful firms. He joins us today from Durham, North Carolina. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this last segment, Donald, I really wanted to have you spend this time talking a bit about really these these principles, these governing behaviors that you've inculcated into your life that I think have made you who you are as a human being and, and pretty successful as a result. Something that we can really give our listeners something they can walk away from and maybe put into you into their own life. So first, I know you are a voracious reader and you will dedicate at least 30 minutes a day to reading. So I want to hear you talk a little bit about, of course, I do too, but usually I don't always get to 30 minutes, but why do you think disciplined reading habit is so important? Um, And really, you know, what kind of things are you reading as well lately? So, you know, one of the things that that reading uh, does for me personally and has for many, many years is I haven't always had access to great mentors or you don't always have access to people you need to, to learn and overcome at the time you need them. But you can through books. And you can create both uh, the inspiration, right, with reading about success stories. You can read about finances and entrepreneurship. Anything you need to learn, right, is available in books. And I felt like any time I was spending working on me, right, it was an exponential value. Let me be very, very specific. There's a book that I uh, read probably 10 years ago now, 
and I actually make it required reading uh, in all the, the companies that, that I'm either on the board or that I'm uh, the CEO and running. And it's a book called Six Thinking Hats, and it's by Edward de Bono. And it basically is a construct of how you can create 360-degree thinking around any problem that you have. And I'll go through it really quick, right? But the yellow hat is all the things that are positive. The black hat are the things you need to be concerned about, right? The blue hat is the operational things. What are you going to do on time, your schedule? The red hat is your emotion. How do you feel about things, right? The white hat is the facts, right? It is what, what is happening, 2 plus 2 equals 4. It's the facts about it. And the green hat are the creative solutions, right, around what you're trying to accomplish. When you use those six hats as an entrepreneur, uh, both personally and professionally, you now have a construct that gives you a powerful way to think, grow, and learn, and it's not complicated, and anybody can use it. And so that's one of the books that has stuck with me uh, throughout my career, but through reading it, applying it, and then sharing it with others, it's created a lot of business value. Okay, so I wrote that down. I'll be definitely getting it. I'm one of those people, Donald, that whenever I, I hear about a book that sounds good, I just go right into Amazon and I get it, and it's just in my queue. That's what I do. So, <laughs> <Me> what, <too. laughs> right? I mean, thank you. You know, Amazon has been my friend for a long time. Um, so, um, one of the things that you said when I asked you about this reading habit that I thought was so great, I, I get, I love the idea that you said, you know, there's always a mentor just, you know, a few pages away from just pick up a book. But one of the things that you said when we when we spoke on the phone is you said that that reading was a way to continue to work to get smart and not to get lazy. I think that you know if you think about uh, athletes, if you think about entertainers, if you think about business people, people that have succeeded at a high level, they practice, they work mm-hmm. on their craft. Well, mm-hmm. Being a business leader is about making good decisions, and how do you make good decisions if you're not always expanding and strengthening your thought process? How do you stay open-minded and creative if you don't expand the way that you look at the world? And uh, books have allowed me to really work on me so that in the moment when I need that good idea, in the moment when I need to convey a message from a different perspective, using different language or different examples, the reading starts to come to the forefront and it allows me to be smart in the moment. But being smart in the moment usually takes a lot of homework. And so I do pride myself on being a, a, a lifelong learner and being very committed um, to, to, to strengthening myself through, through reading. So what I, I got really present to as you were talking there, Donald, is I've heard this saying so many times as I've gone through various, various sessions designed for learning or something that I was trying to get to, and certainly reading, and that's that notion of whatever problem you entered the room with before the work session, before the workshop, or before you read the book can't be solved when you, re- when you read the book, but maybe it can afterwards. Right. So the notion being that, you know, whatever, whatever, wherever you are today, whatever you're stuck on today, you're going to be stuck there until you do something to dislodge it with either new information, a new perspective, a new lens, a help or support or something. And so that's what I kind of I got to when I was thinking about what you were saying is that's why the notion of ongoing learning is so important. The other thing I would add to that is that when you're seeking information, you're open minded. When you're delivering information, you're kind of sharing what you already know. But when you're Mm -hmm. in that seeking mode is where you kind of unleash that that creativity because you're purposely looking for more information and insight. And as a leader, it's it's a good place to try to be uh, at at least an hour or two a day because uh, the the best answers to our business problems are usually what I call the third rail. It's not the idea that my partner had. It's not the idea that I have. It's the idea that we both came up with together based on our, our, both of our inputs. And that's where you want to get to. And I think reading helps me be a better partner with people uh, for solving problems. 
Mm-hmm. No doubt. Well, th- this next thing I wanted to get to around around one of your guiding beliefs that, again, you and I talked about, which you have completely exemplified in this conversation, by the way. But this whole notion of that you've talked about the importance of maintaining high energy and an optimistic outlook on challenges in life and business. Clearly, you know, this. I just listening to the cadence of your speech and how fast you talk and the energy and the passion with which you give it, it's there, right? And the optimism, you've been talking about that and what you've been saying, too. But would you say a bit about why these principles have governed you and why you think they're so important? Well, one of the things is perspective. Um, and I think that, you know, when you don't come from, uh, you know, wealth, right, and you, you've got to kind of struggle and, and strive forward, Right? I just don't take a lot for granted, and I'm thankful for all the things that I do have. I, I focus mostly on what can be and not what my current situation is today. And by making that decision in terms of what my life outlook is, doesn't mean I don't have challenges. doesn't mean I don't have professional and uh, personal things I need to overcome. It just means when I look at those problems, I'm looking away out of them as well. I'm not looking to dwell within them. And I think that attitude of prosperity, that attitude of Winning in the end uh, allows you to create progress even while you're in pain. And I think that's part of being an entrepreneur, but I think it's also part of just being a successful person. I'm not naive to where everything's rosy every day. I am optimistic to say that it might not be what I want today, but here are the things I'm going to do because I'm selfish about the outcome that I want. And I don't expect to have a losing outcome in my life. So therefore, Let's go ahead and deal with what we've got to deal with in front of us because there is a good part for me and I'm going to go get it. I'm, of course, completely with you on all of that, and I applaud all of that, and I tend to be very, very similar. Also high energy, also tend to have the optimistic outlook always. So maybe that's part of the reason I remembered that when our, from our conversation and I wrote it down. Um, but it's also now contrasting with something that I've heard various people talk about that I'd love, love to hear for you to comment on. And, and you mentioned being grateful for what you've got because you didn't always have that and you appreciate what you have. Um, I hear people talk about how, especially in the United States, we are purpose starved. And therefore, and there's a lot of depression that comes with that. Can you speak at all to that? Um, I can, right? I think a lot of, uh, in the United States in particular, is we let entertainment and television and pop culture determine what we're meant to do on this earth. And I think in certain ways, it's a little bit, uh, it's, it's a little sad in that, you know, we let other people influence what we're to be uh, to create happiness. And that is whether we're supposed to dress a certain way, look a certain way, talk a certain way, et cetera, or buy a certain car to feel great or drink a certain, you know, Pepsi or Coca-Cola versus the fact that each of us has a unique opportunity, especially in the United States with all of the opportunity in our country, no matter where you start right, that we literally can dream and become what we're willing to work to have. And I think that should be what we teach our young people versus this kind of constant bombardment of what beauty is or what success is. I, I remember um, a gentleman that worked in, uh, was a janitor in uh, one of the buildings that I was working in. And I would sit and talk to him, his, his name was Jeff all the time. On all of his breaks, he would always be carrying a book. And I said, Jeff, why, why do you read during your breaks? He said, I'm not always going to be a janitor. This is what I've got to do today. But my dreams are bigger than that. And I always would take time with him, answer questions, and just talk with him and encourage him because that's the kind of attitude, I think, that should permeate right um, when you're an American citizen, not the one to where somebody else is driving what you can be uh, based on what you're doing today. 
Oh, I got the vision of Jeff. I love Jeff already. There's, I wish there were more Jeffs walking around seeing the possibilities of what can be um, instead of, you know, I'm stuck in this dead-end job and my life sucks, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have any perspective or any suggestions, Donald, to help people that maybe are kind of feeling that spot? Listeners are out there going, all oh, this sounds really good, Donald. You're a really cool guy. Man, you've done some cool things. It's really awesome, but it's not going to work for me. I, I, I do, and I have a strong opinion on this. you got to fire your loser friends. Right, because we we all tend to flock to people that sound like us, same political party as us, like the same music as us. But if you are a little bit depressed, if you're a little bit down, that is the absolute wrong time to hang with people that agree with you. You need to spend time with people that are more upbeat, that are chasing something, so that rubs off on you. So that when you have a challenge with how you're going to do something, you're talking to people that are going to give you options of how it can be achieved versus agreeing with you that you shouldn't go after that promotion, that it's okay that you shouldn't start your own business, that it's okay that your relationship with money is poor. You want people that are going to give you that optimistic outlook underpinned by, here's a couple of suggestions, here's how I'd be willing to help, even if the help is just nothing more than being your cheerleader. All of those things are are wrapped around who you spend time with. And I think that's the biggest thing that people miss is that your associations uh, are business critical and life critical to what you become. Mm. I completely agree with that. I, I've, I said, I've said for years, and I learned this a long time ago, uh, show me who you associate with, and I will show you where, where you're going to be in two to five years. Easy, or less, for that matter. Yep, 100% yeah. agree. So, so how, do our, how do our listeners find these, these better groups then? What, what would you suggest they plug into? Well, most people have a couple of different um, you know, segments of life, right? Some people are very involved in, in their church. Some people have uh, large social networks, some people within their, their work. It's really a function of, let's just use the work example, right? Instead of the moderate performers, take 10 bucks, 15 bucks, and, and buy a cup of coffee or lunch for the top two or three producers once a week at your job. Right, number one, people like free lunch. Right, everybody. I don't. I don't turn down free lunch much myself. Right, number two, your high performers love talking about how awesome they are. It's just part of it. Like we 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 will talk a lot. Right, but you'll get some work insight that you might not have about how you can progress. Usually within your church community, if if uh, there's usually different groups within organizations like that that will help you in business, that will help you move forward, that will give you book uh, recommendations. And then the other thing is there are, uh, and I'm, you know, I got to do my own thing with working out and different things. People that are health conscious are usually pretty positive about life. And Mm. so creating a different social network can really start at the gym. It can start playing racquetball. It can start any kind of physical activity that you like to do. Mostly positive people, even if they have a little weight to lose, even if they're not super excited about where they are physically, they're in the gym because they're trying to do something better than what they had the day before. So the associations with people that are in that fitness scene, you're going to find a lot of high-octane people there. And so there's a couple quick suggestions on kind of how to change your, your, your friend zone, if you will, that are pretty easy to do. That's great, Donald. I love it. I'm also a fitness freak, so maybe that's part of what makes me happy and optimistic, too. I guess so. That must be it. The endorphins probably don't hurt either, but... (laughs) That's right. Well, we're almost out of time, and as you might recall, I like to be able to give my guests the last word. So maybe in the last minute or so, final pearls that you want to leave our, our, our listeners with today, Donald. Last words. You know, the last words I would, I would say is that time management is critical. If you're listening to this uh, broadcast, you have an entrepreneurial uh, vision, 
uh, or you're already in the throes of something, but time is really your most limited resource. I like to encourage people with a blank sheet of paper, write down the top three things that they need to focus on, and then the three things within those areas that they need to do something next week. And give yourself that, 10, that list of nine to ten tasks that you can action on and then keep progress on. Not a laundry list of 100 things, not a laundry list of 200 things, but 10 things over the next week to two weeks that you're going to make progress in key areas of your life. So one of those lists, family. One of those lists, financial. One of those lists, job. You can do it however you want, but all you need is a blank sheet of paper and a pen, right, and jot those things down, and that's going to help guide you. Because when we write things down and then we read what we write, it starts to work in our subconscious about where we focus. And then it's easier to put the TV set on off, it's easier to turn away from uh, hanging out at the club that night and focus on what you want your vision to become in terms of your new reality. Okay, that's gorgeous and definitely definitely well worth a last bit of advice. And we've got just a smidge more time, maybe 30 seconds. How do you suggest they just track that? Do they, you just leave the list out and make sure that it's, it's forefront? Or how do, you, how do you use that as a guide to move for the week? You know, I, I'm very, I have all of the different gadgets and smartphones and different things, but I really do like notebooks when I'm doing goals because it's something I can carry with me. It's something if I'm in a Starbucks, I can jot things out. So I just, I have a goal. I've always had a goals notebook that I keep in my car and I might even have one or two of them, right? Cause sometimes I'll, you know, leave one in the car, leave one in, in the briefcase or different things like that, but it allows me to doodle. And that act of doodling allows me to be creative about things that are on my mind, problems that I need to solve, things that I need to get to. Right. And so that's really the simple thing that I do. And it's worked well for me and, and not very expensive. Perfect. And a great way to finish the show, Donald. Thank you so much for joining me again two week, or two years after the fact. It's been great to catch up with you. This has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. You can run from me, but you can't hide. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you want to learn more about Donald Thompson and all he's up to at Creative Allies or anything else that he's he's involved in, please visit his website. It's www.donaldthompson.com. It's Donald and then T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Join us next week when we talk with Debbie Levy, who is the owner and yoga instructor of Transformation Yoga. She specializes in bringing yoga to corporate America and focuses on classes provided on-site to promote balance, energy, and wholeness to individual employees, as well as building a stronger, more dynamic, and more responsible and connected corporate community. Promise it to be an enlivening and inspiring conversation. See you then. Remember that work is one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.